Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Ms. Sema Burba of Spartan CrossFit, coming to you from Lansing, Michigan. Sema, what's going on? How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to to kind of pick your brain on this business and, and the inner workings of why you guys do what you do. But first, introduce us to Spartan CrossFit. When you tell people what it is that you do, how do you describe this business? Oh, um, I mean, we're in the business of changing people's lives. Um, we're trying to help people uh, be stronger, more capable, confident in what they're able to do. Um, and there's a lot of uh, changes that happen mentally, physically, body-wise, um, all of those things. So we're um, reaching out. We, we reach out to a uh, huge range of individuals, different skill sets, different um, ability levels. I mean, we have people that are just getting off the couch that haven't done anything since COVID hit. And then we have people that have been aggressively working out since they were born. <laughs> yeah. And we're just trying to make them better wherever they are. Yeah. Improvement in whatever improvement means to that person. And, and this is done in the CrossFit branding way, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the, the business model? How do we deliver that message that you just spoke to me about? How do, what, is the, what is the service that we're providing? Yeah, um, so we're a CrossFit gym and we do offer other things along with that. Like I don't, I don't wanna just be looked at as like a CrossFit gym and typically people think of CrossFit classes when they think of that. Um, we obviously offer that as kind of our popular thing as people come in and they um, do classes with us uh, and they're coach led. Um, they walk in, they don't have to do any thinking. They just show up and we tell them what to do, walk them through warming up and working out and um, going, building skills, building form technique, all of those things. And then kind of applying those things in a metabolic conditioning piece at, at the end, basically. Sure. Um, so that's one portion of what we do. Uh, but we're only able to do that for like an hour out of somebody's day. Mm. So more than anything, we're really trying to do things like help people with nutrition, with recovery, um, with sleep, with all those other parts that they have to themselves for 23 hours of the day. Right. Um, so we've been really starting to focus in a lot on doing some kind of uh, nutrition program. We have a nutrition coach that's leading that. Um, and she dives into all, it's called nutrition, but she dives into all the details of that. Um, we also offer personal training. Um, we have a couple, typically when somebody starts with us and they've never done CrossFit, they go through a CrossFit or a, a personal training program. It's like three to five sessions of hanging out one-on-one -on -one with a coach and they walk them through that. Um, but there's also a group of people that aren't super comfortable going into a class or 
maybe they just want more focus on them and somebody telling them what weights, what movements, and actually giving them corrections right in the moment. Um, so we also personal train, offer personal training as well. And then lastly, we do team, uh, team training. We have worked with a hockey team, a girls hockey team, and they came in oh, okay. every now and then and did a, a fun team session. Um, we've also had uh, the Marines have come and done some monthly uh, PT with us that, that we lead them through. And those are super fun too. So yeah. that, that's kind of it in the nutshell for now. Sure. And so from a, from a business perspective, a number of different ways that, that you guys are able to generate revenue, the meat and potatoes to your point being the group model class atmosphere, but all of these other ancillary services that we can layer on to really provide that 24 hour experience to provide that 360 degrees of coaching. That's really going to make an impact for somebody as opposed to just that one hour of strength and Metcon focus time. Yeah. Sema, for you guys, with all of these different services, give us an idea of, of how many people we serve within the greater umbrella of Spartan CrossFit. Um, we have various like membership uh, options. Like some people are on punch cards and stuff, but I would say we're like maybe 90 people we're not a huge gym and we like it that way to be honest sure. um i know everybody's name that walks in the door <laughs> so yeah i'd say about 90 people um and it fluctuates we also we're in lansing michigan where um msu is and we have students that kind of come and go you know okay the school's in session or online or closed. Yep. <laughs> That's, that's a good point and, and one that is worth digging into. Businesses and, and your model being in somewhat of a transient community, right? Population fluctuates depending on seasonality. And so by extension, your membership fluctuates by seasonality as well. What's the, what's the high watermark and what's the low watermark? You said we're roughly 90. Well, when I, so when I first took over our gym um about three years ago we we were mostly students i would say like man like 80 percent students so we were dramatically impacted by uh christmas spring break summer all of that stuff and we wind up canceling a whole lot of classes and it would just be like a skeleton crew we might yeah. get down to and like people would cancel their membership or whatever um and we would get down to like 30 members or something like it was just like not very many um I mean, we picked up a couple people that were like coming home for those breaks too but yeah we were really dramatically impacted by that mm -hmm. um when I took over the gym I saw that we were we had a a discount for students and that just invited all the students and it was basically all students because it was sure. cheap CrossFit um, but we also had like an open gym and they just like hung out all day. Like they just ate up space. Wasn't quite the demographic you were looking for. Yeah. And I decided that wasn't the direction I wanted to go um, anymore. So I wound up getting rid of our student discount and that naturally sent a lot of students elsewhere. 
Um, but we definitely had a core group of students that were pretty serious about their fitness and really liked what we had to offer and they stuck with us. But it gave us room for people that work, people that um, are maybe graduate students or older uh, people. So now we have way more variety. And I would say we actually don't fluctuate very much at all. Yeah. Because what I'm seeing too is that we have an older population that has 14 year old children. <laughs> and so when the students leave, somehow those 14 year olds come in with their parent. Yeah. So it kind of like balances out. We don't have those fluctuations anymore. I can imagine from a business ownership perspective, that's a much less stressful position to be in because we can rely on, hey, I know I'm going to have this amount of income in February. Yeah. I know I'm going to have this amount of income in March. Yeah. You mentioned one thing along the way that we were about 90 people, smaller size membership, and we like it that way. Are you guys still taking members? Is there a, a number in your head that we think we can handle 125 or 150 or so we have eight classes every day um if we had everybody with an unlimited membership we cap classes at 10 so that would put a ceiling on us of eight oh, okay <laughs> yeah which isn't great right um so we we added classes recently we added in a noon and a 7 p.m and people come you know on different days different times and we really don't often have like wait lists even with having you know yeah. that people so we haven't reached that cap yet like we haven't reached the ceiling of that we still invite new members um but some some members are on a, a limited uh, membership. So that gives them like three sessions and maybe they love Saturday and Sunday or, you know, like unlimited. They come pretty regularly, but they have a kind of little class that they like to come to. So yeah. thankfully we haven't hit that. When we do hit that, then we obviously need to think through how we're going to move forward. It's right. hard to add in more classes because certain times are popular with everybody. Um, we do have some space. So we've kind of played around with some spacing ideas. We have a really unique layout. It's probably different <laughs> than a lot of gyms. Um, we have an old schoolhouse um, that I just recently purchased. And um, there's a main level that's like the warehousey area. Mm -hmm. And then um, that was added on later to the schoolhouse. Then the actual schoolhouse, you could go upstairs and there's like wood floors, office area, bathroom, and it's a, a big space. We have all of our cardio equipment up there. So we have okay. skiers, rowers, bikes, um, and we also have like GHDs up there. And then on the lower level, uh, the basement, we have a turf and it's basically storage area. But we've made use of the basement so that we could do like foundations down there. Mm. Um, we could also do personal training or classes could easily utilize the space for like sled pushes or, or whatever we have going on. Yep. So we've kind of played around a little bit with, um, we could even start a class on the main floor, uh, let's say on the hour, and then they relocate 
to the upper floor to finish out and like so they're gonna have like a okay. half hour kind of yeah so a little bit of a split right yeah but um part we have a couple problems to deal with with that um the township requires a bathroom on the main floor for ada compliance so we're currently working with an architect to get one put in mm. <laughs> um, yeah that's really the fun part of owning a building um and then there's also like size requirements like if you have more than so many people you have to have like a water fountain and two bathrooms that are gender marked and yep. you know so like we're trying to work through all the details of that so thankfully we don't have that problem on our hands quite yet <laughs> sure. and so it sounds like some wiggle room we have a little bit of potential for growth yeah. but certainly different sort of capacity moves that we could play with to figure yeah. it out once we get there anyway I wanted to ask you about how we're able to find people for this type of growth that we're talking about, right? We put the label of marketing, but that could mean so many different things in our industry. And so I, I asked the question as how have you guys historically found success bringing people in to join? Um, we have never marketed. <laughs> we lean heavily on the CrossFit name. Um, that's brought more people in than we've ever needed. I mean, we've been mm -hmm. fine with just that. Um, we've tried like doing some stuff like on Facebook and it just doesn't really get any traction. We still basically get local people and people that might type in CrossFit <laughs> into Google. Um, the building I'm in, all it has is our street number on it. You wouldn't even know it was CrossFit right like, no name on it yet we haven't even gotten a sign and we've grown so much since we moved just because of word of mouth or because people know how to look up crossfits in the area or whatever and that's honestly enough yeah i've had people approach me about some kind of advertising that we could take part of and how we could explode with growth and honestly i'm like I'm not ready for that. I, I can't explode right now. So. That's a really important cool, point. <laughs> there are any number of ways that you could get 100, 200 people into this facility, but yeah. do we have the systems beyond that point to back it up and make sure that exactly. the building doesn't burn down? We, like, we can't just consider back of the napkin math, 200 members at 200 bucks a month it doesn't exactly work that way. And so I think that's a really, really great point that you bring up. I kind of feel no like, money. So, like looking at our setup, like, like I mentioned, we have our CrossFit classes, we have PT, we have nutrition. And so if anything, I feel like our CrossFit class quota is just about full. We're pretty good there. Now I'm wanting to focus more on those other things. Like I would really like to build up our personal training. I'd also really like to build up our nutrition. So even if we cap out and we just can't fit anybody else in there, there are other avenues to be able to reach out to more people um, and make use of the gym space. I mean, it's sitting empty a couple hours every day during the week and then a significant amount of time on the weekend. So I'm trying to look for ways that we can get activity in there all day long. If we're paying for heat, we're paying for yep. uh, all that stuff. 
I would like to be able to utilize the space all day long. And if that means that we insert like a class for new moms with kids, or we have a class that has an older population of retirees that can come during the day, you know, now we can start eating up some hours of the day in a more productive way. Um, but also the personal training is always fantastic to be able to add in because it's pretty easy to maneuver around classes when you need to yeah. with that client. Even just considering the way that you described the space, it sounds like you guys have the ability to take on a number of, of PT sessions without necessarily changing too much other L or other things. And right. I think that's, it's, it's an incredibly important discussion that you and I have because through the last 18 months, it's been a weird time in the fitness industry. And there's been this interesting dynamic shift from how many bodies can we pile into this building? How high can we climb this membership count to taking a step back of, oh, okay, like maybe I don't need 400, 500 people on membership. Maybe I can get by with 100, 150, albeit serving them at an incredibly high level and providing these ancillary services. And Revenue is still mostly on par. If we can serve the people that we have with these higher level services, we know they're going to get better results. Right. Our coaches can get paid better. They're probably a happier clientele overall anyway. Yeah. And we don't need to worry about chasing 400 people down to make sure their credit card on file is up to date. It's sort of a win-win all around. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have people that I mean, I know people that will come in for CrossFit classes and then I hear that they're also doing something else somewhere else, getting nutrition help or something, you know, that was before we started offering nutrition stuff. So they're still spending the money. Yeah, they're going to find it somewhere. Different way. So why not give, make us the place, the, the one-stop shop that they can get all of the stuff that they need um, to improve what they want to improve. Yeah. yeah. We have one athlete that I, I've been thinking of that came to us, lost a hundred pounds before he walked in the door. Um, so he obviously was making some really big changes, um, but needed help losing like another 50 to 70 pounds and wanted to get in shape, wanted to lose more weight, wanted to feel really good about his progress. We have him doing CrossFit classes. He regularly will schedule in PT with us because he's struggling with some of the form and technique. Um, so we have that. Then we also put him through a nutrition um, plan where he's been uh, addressed every week. Like somebody reaches out, um, our nutrition coach will send a message and say, hey, how are you approaching this weekend? What are, what are you doing? You know, and has regular accountability. So we have them like inserted into all three of the things that we're doing. And holy cow, always we're putting highlights on the board about what this guy's doing. Yeah, this um, stuff works. Impressive, <laughs> like tons of weight coming off, tons of PRs left and right. And it, it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. really fun to see. And I think that like speaks for itself. Other people say, well, what are you doing? While I've been doing nutrition with Candace, I've been scheduling PT in the afternoon. So it really does, um, word of mouth is big once you feel a little more established. Sure. And, and, and to 
speak it in business metric language that average revenue per member the higher we can get that it's probably yeah. a really good reflection of the health of the business people are investing into other services yeah they're loyal and they're bought into what you're doing that's that's a really really important number to track now some uh, i mean moving forward you've mentioned maybe a little bit of wiggle room on the membership overall a bigger focus on growing pt growing nutrition but paint me a picture of the the longer term vision what is what is the big big goal that you guys are striving towards what's the where are we headed yeah. um well so i grew up in colorado i don't really love lansing michigan if i'm honest sorry but um my ultimate goal is to move and to hand this over to somebody else so i have um a couple more years here. My daughter's in high school. Um, I'm trying to set up a nice system. I'm trying to set up a great um, business and a fun place for people to, to be um, that isn't reliant on me <laughs> um, so that I can move to a new location and uh, carry on with something else that I might want to do. Um, I have some ideas, but Ultimately, I'm, I'm just trying to make this into a, a, a business that can thrive and continue going. Um, and I would like to be able to be pretty balanced between the PT classes, nutrition, um, and, and be able to uh, have a good income that coaches are able to make a living. I mean, one of my coaches, um, really went out on a limb joining us. Um, she quit her job a couple of years ago uh, and intended to travel the United States in a van. And then COVID hit, she, she had a ton of fun up until that point. And then suddenly she wasn't able to finish her, her fun journey. But then she came back to us and we're her only source of income. So I want her to feel like she has spending money that she can pay for health insurance, <laughs> you know, like all of those things. That's kind of a big responsibility I feel I have, you know, to look out for her. Um, so I'd like it to be the kind of business that we could fully employ coaches, that we can also give them health insurance. Um, and, you know, that it, it obviously can ser continue serving our area and help people to um, become better versions of themselves, you know? Yeah. Uh, in my experience, I've seen a tremendous leap in coaching quality when the coaches know that the business has their best interest at heart and backs it up with pay and compensation and whatever else that includes. But it becomes more, we're attracting career coaches, right. not just hourly after my real job kind of coaches and, yeah. and that makes such a big difference when it comes to delivering a product like this. I agree. And I'm trying, I, I've become way more picky. When I first took over the business, I coached every class. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like desperate for help. Like I was like, anybody? <laughs> and thankfully I had a couple quality people land in my lap ready to coach. And that was great. But now, like, I, 
I feel really good about our team. All of us have a level two uh, for CrossFit and are actually working on getting a level three. Yep. We work really well together. We have a nice system. Um, I love our programming and I love how we're consistent in every class. I feel like we have a lot of a lot of good things going on right now. There's always room for improvement, but um, I really like the direction that we're headed. For Trending sure. in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, I mean, the the entire CrossFit motto is one percent better today, right? One percent right. better. And it sounds like that's what you guys are doing. Sema, we could go back and forth on this for hours, it seems. But yeah. as we approach the end of our time, I want to give you the chance to to shout out where people can learn a little bit more about this. Is there is there a website? Is there social media? Yeah, we're SpartanCrossFit.net if you look on the web. Um, and then we have an Instagram, just Spartan CrossFit would find us. I'm not super active on Facebook, but we do um, post a lot of stories on our Instagram. Um, we really like to show the variety of scaling um, and the emphasis on great form in our classes. And it shows too, like different skill levels. You might see somebody doing um, strict pull-ups and then somebody else doing um, banded pull-ups. And like, you can see the differences between skill levels and like anybody can insert themselves into the situation, you know? So that's what we really like to be able to highlight. Um, we don't try to overemphasize huge PRs and, you know, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. We emphasize form, um, yep. technique, and showing people that have fun doing fitness. That's what CrossFit's supposed to be. <laughs> this is not a punishment. Yeah, it's something that people should be looking forward to doing and they enjoy going and they leave happier than they showed up. You know, then we feel like we're doing something right. Yep. Well, Sema, like I said, I, I really appreciate the chance to, to pick through business owner and gym owners specifically specifically their brain and, and see what makes them tick. I appreciate you coming on and, and contributing in your own way. And, and we'll have to check in with you down the road and see where, awesome. where the yeah. future takes you. How's that sound? Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, entertaining having me on. <laughs> to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I am here with Michael from the X Project School of Fitness in Maryland. What's up, Michael? How are you today? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. Of course. All right, cool. So 
let's jump right into the details. What is it that made you want to own your own gym? How did you get started? Uh, well, I originally went to, to college to do phys ed because I thought I wanted to be a teacher. And then uh, when I got to the point of student teaching in the schools, I realized how limited it would be compared to what my expectations were for like coaching kids and helping people. So mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to, to switch to. So I um, got a job doing personal training, which kind of was a lot of teaching of health and fitness. So it was fun. I did that while I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do for school. And uh, I got to a point where I decided I wanted to study um, people with permanent brain injuries and see if I could get into um, um, therapies that people did. So I was working through school to go to uh, University of Maryland. And when I was applying for um, neurobiology and kinesiology was at about the same time that uh, I was overburdened with clients at the gym, in the big gym, um, doing tons of one-on-one personal training. And I wanted to free myself from the commission, the hours, the amount of work that went into it so I could focus a little bit more on school. And for whatever reason, I thought starting my own business at that point in time was, was the right idea. So I, I left that gym and I started my own business. And then by the end of my first semester, um, since I had opened that business, it had grown so much that I decided uh, it, would be, it would be dumb to stop this right now while I'm having a lot of fun and making money. So that's how I got uh, into owning my own gym. Um, and, then I, and then I just moved away from, from going to school. Got it. Okay. So yeah, that's funny when you were saying uh, to free yourself, I'm like, where's he going with this? (laughs) And then into owning your own business, which doesn't really free you. It uh, makes you busier in in other areas. Um, But okay. So now the business model currently, what does that look like? Are we doing group classes, semi-privates, one-on-one? How are we structuring things within the business currently? So everything we do is done as a group, but we don't do it as group classes anymore, or what mm-hmm. I call choreographed fitness, which would be like CrossFits and boot camps and Orange Theories. We do, I call them sessions, mm-hmm. and people have templates that we call protocols that they follow. So we're training as a group but we do a lot of individualized programming for each person. So there could be one or two coaches coaching a large group of people, but those uh, maybe a two-tiered or three-tiered programming, we've got lots of different tiers and we coach clients through it individually. So even on our lowest level, it's a, a prescriptive, individualized prescriptive model. We just do it in a large group setting, which is okay. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So the personal training, it's tailored more so individually, but you also kind of get that group aspect of things, which is nice as far as motivation, accountability, and then also just energy level, because there's usually a a big difference between a one-on-one session and a group session. There's so much more energy within a group session. So Huge I'm sure that that, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that that works well. Um, so now as far as your membership base goes within the facility, how many members are you currently serving? Right now we've got a hundred active members that I'm working with. Okay. And so through the pandemic, this is of course the question of the year. 
how did things look for you? Did you take a big hit as far as your membership goes? Were you able to recover? Are we still recovering? How is that looking for you? So for us, when uh, the shutdown initially happened, I very quickly flipped everything to be virtual. Mm -hmm. So we were um, a CrossFit facility and a CrossFit affiliate. We got shut down. I switched everything to virtual and started doing programming for members online and just in about you know, 48 hours became a virtual coaching company. So outside of a very small group of people that froze or quit at the start of lockdown, we retained almost every single one of them. And then when we got the freedom to do outdoor workouts and start bringing Mm -hmm. people back on, that's when we had a little bit of a slow dip from people who were quitting that had never returned. So we did a really good job of retaining the amount of members that we had through that uh, shutdown phase. And then as we got back to doing things in the gym and they would reinstitute uh, mandates and shutdowns, it was tough because every time a new announcement came out, we'd get a, a hit from members. Some people mm. would quit. So we were kind of uh, treading that line. And I think throughout the course of all of 2020, uh, from January to December, our average members per month stayed pretty much the same. By making all the changes that we made with the virtual options and the flexibility, we didn't really lose anybody or anything during 2020, which was, which was a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A a lot of people can't say the same. So that is a huge deal. And being able to pivot completely to online almost immediately is huge. I mean, a lot of people weren't able to do that. A lot of people didn't have any type of system in place to be able to make that happen. Um, There are a lot of gym owners who are just trying to put those systems in place now, just in case, whether it be for another stream of revenue for the business or to just be prepared, you know, for the future in case uh, it becomes necessary. So how were you able to transition everybody online? Did you do classes through Zoom or did you have an app that you kind of kept everybody involved in? There are a couple of different avenues, different people went. Yeah, so we did um, some Zoom workouts to get people involved. We did, or what I did was Zoom meetings, like a conversation like this with small groups of members to check in, talk about Mm -hmm. their programming. And then we used an app for the gym programming and each member had an individual account. And luckily, we always had a lot of options and prescriptive model elements built into it. So it wasn't difficult to add Um, of modifications per member. So we had some underlying things that were in place. And then I just scrambled to get the rest of it that we needed, but at least we had the resources in the meantime, um, so that they could call in and work out with me, or other coaches call in and speak to me, or still follow along with their program online using whatever it was that they had at home. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a an ideal setup, essentially, um, to be able to keep people involved and motivated within the programming, even not being able to come into the facility. So now being back in the facility and getting back to some sense of normalcy, what does your marketing currently look like? How are you getting new attention, drawing in new people into the facility? Uh, We have used um, the campaigns with um, with Gym Launch. We did the reactivation campaign. We used the uh, um, the ads for the six-week red carpet 
challenge and transformation. And we do basic things like that. I haven't done a lot of customer acquisition lately. Um, okay. And we've done it very slowly. And that was, that's really a part of uh, everything that's changed since what we were doing in 2020 to what we're, we did in 2021 and to what we're doing now. Um, with doing the large groups, the choreographed fitness that we did and the shutdowns and the restrictions that we had, we were limited on the number of people that could come in. There was mm -hmm. a lot of chaos and a lot of difficulty. And me personally, I started to get burnt out on it. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, there's, we've gone through a lot of bad uh, situations and tough situations over all of the years. And I just got burnt out on doing everything. And the biggest challenge for me business-wise is that I'm, I'm the bottleneck at every stage. Yeah. So when, when uh, we survived 2020 and I basically did everything I possibly could uh, at the end of 2020, I was just so burnt out and we yeah. weren't making enough money. Um, you know, I, I'm paying my bills. I, I'm owning a gym. It's fun, but it's really killing me at the same time because I'm just right. so burnt out from doing it. Mm -hmm. So instead of looking at driving more people in the door um, and, and acquiring new customers, that didn't really matter because I had to service all of them and I couldn't and it was poor and we were, we were stuck. So I decided at the end of 2020 that I was going to change the service model entirely. I was going to increase the price point that we had. I was going to change the delivery of the service. Um, and I was going to change really the, the reputation, the vibe, everything about the gym. And then I was going to make sure that everything was put in place. So I also lost a handful of coaches during 2020. Mm -hmm. So at the start of 2021, it was me and one other coach. And then that coach decided you know, he's being called to move on to his next stage because he was never a career person. He was a young yeah. kid in college. Mm -hmm. He decided to move on. So I was the only coach for a huge part of 2021. But we, we changed what we were doing. We changed the systems. We changed the delivery. And I relied on all referrals and, and customer engagement for almost all of 2021 until the final quarter when we did start doing some client uh, acquisition. But when I did all those changes at the end of 2021, we lost about 60% of our total members. Mm, so whenever okay. I have these conversations, we jump on a podcast, somebody's asking about the business, like how many members did you have at the start of 2021 or 2020 and how many today? It's like, well, we're down 130 members. And that initially sounds terrible, but we were up 5% in total revenue on only 40% of the same customers. And I managed to cut costs by um, almost 15%. So at the end of 2021, from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. uh, we were doing way better, even though fewer customers are in the gym. So if you look at certain numbers, mm -hmm. there's not as many people packed into the space, but I feel a hundred times better. The members are a hundred times more thrilled and we're making 2.6 times as much per member per month as we were before. Yeah. So uh, we didn't really do a lot of customer acquisition because I couldn't service them. Now mm -hmm. I have the coaches in place and we just started and I ran ads for the first few weeks of January and we had six people come in, but with the limited staff that I have, I hit the bottleneck again. So mm -hmm. I couldn't accommodate all the leads. I didn't have time to do follow-up if I'm doing eight, eight hours of coaching per day. So instead of wasting more money on ads, I slowed it down a little bit because mm -hmm. we're at a point where we can do that for, for a minute mm -hmm. and I can train the coaches up and at the rate that we're going, uh, we can ramp that back up because I should have another full-time coach starting in about two months, which will free me based on that. This individual schedule free me to go all to customer acquisition and sales. Yes. Um, and at that point with all the changes that we made, um, the delivery of the service, the price point, the restructuring, 
we actually increased our capacity as one of the profit levers and our maximum capacity before was like 250 or 275 members before the system would crash. Mm -hmm. We've restructured everything and now our actual physical capacity is going to be somewhere around 450 if I have the staff to service it. So right. we have um, almost double the capacity in terms of customers at almost triple the price point is what we're looking at going into 2022, which is obviously very exciting. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been like a complete restructuring of the business essentially. And this is, I'm so glad that you have brought up this point of having less members, but doubling your revenue because oh, yeah. this is something that comes up all the time even today earlier today talking to another gym owner who is just really undercharging for the services that he's providing for you know even one-on-one -on -one training sessions just charging the lowest of lows for those sessions just to be competitive with other gyms in the area and I always talk about, you know, there's only so far down you can go before you're not making any money at all. And it's yeah. like everybody has this idea in their head that they have to provide the highest level of service and charge the least amount. And right. it's like in life, where do you ever see that? Right? Like you, you never see that. You get what you pay for. That's what I was always told. You know, you get what you pay for. And it's true. And the way that people view things is the more that something costs, the better the value there is behind it. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, especially like people don't pay $1,400 for a bag because it's something that they can get at Walmart or, you know, right. whatever, like they're paying because that they, they expect the best bag, you know, and they're, they know that they're going to get the best bag if it costs them $1,400. That's just an example that I like to use because a lot of people can kind of uh, understand that because I don't know, there's just this, I get so fired up about it because I see so many gym owners just constantly looking to bring in new members just to keep the doors open, but they're charging $30 an hour for a personal training session. Right. And it's like, you know, it's like you're constantly chasing your tail and you have people that are coming in, they're staying for a month or two and then they're leaving and you're constantly just on this hamster wheel of having to acquire new clients and barely being able to pay your bills. Yeah. When you could have a lower number of members charge a higher rate, not be so burnt out, provide a higher level of service to those members, get them better results. It's like, it's just kind of hard to initially wrap your head around that as the business owner. Um, and a lot of times people are afraid to take that step because you do lose members. Right. Right. So, and, and, they, and sometimes members that have been there for a very long time have emotional reactions and it's yes. difficult because you care about all of the people. However, there's a huge limit. And whenever um, numbers of members come up, uh, it's, I had one evening in October of this year that really like clarifies it because I could have had a ton of customers come in and I can charge dirt cheap and I can do some one-on-one -on -one sessions for $30 an hour uh, and try to get more people in the door. And let's say, you know, 
for four hours one evening, I do four one-on-one personal training sessions for $30 an hour, whatever coach or, or owner is listening to this. They've been there. They've tried to do that. Or yes. if I did four in a row at $60 an hour, well, one Friday evening, I had three sales appointments in a row come in and I ran the exact same diagnostic script, presented them with everything and gave them the price. And it was four grand for the year to come in and work out three times per week and have this little bit level of accountability. And they paid in full and I collected 12 grand in three hours when I could have made less than a hundred dollars servicing somebody in a one-on-one. And it's, it's just obviously a terrible, terrible decision to try to cram people in the door and accept the lowest number possible because I'm not helping those people as much as I really think I am when I do that. I'm actually hurting everybody because my time is limited mm-hmm. and I changed three people in the best possible way. They are you know, raving fans. They dropped a huge amount of money and they're happy about it and that's what's the right thing to do for them. And the contrast between 12 grand or $100 in one work evening is pretty extreme. And if you don't feel that in your gut when you've been struggling, then, then I don't know what you would feel because that is the most incredible contrast that, that I've ever experienced. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you only have so many hours in the day, especially as a personal trainer. If you are doing one-on-one sessions, you only have so many hours in a day. You can only fit in, especially if you're only, you know, you're only charging $30 per session. It's like you cap out there very quickly. Um, But it's, it's, you know, a lot of people come into business with certain belief systems and it's hard to see outside of that especially you know we're raised a certain way with certain beliefs around money and finances and where you should put your money and how much is expensive uh what is worth x amount of dollars everybody comes in with belief systems around money and finances and that was one thing that i really loved about getting into the consulting space and the sales training space was breaking people's beliefs, you know, because like you said, you made $12,000 in one evening, Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty easily, you know, and that blows people's minds. Like they can't even, it's like how they can't even wrap their heads around it. And then it's easier for people to just say, well, that's not possible for me. That's not going to work for me. That doesn't work in my area because people in this area don't have money. And it's like, who are you to decide that? You know, right. that was one thing that's, it's hard to, to not judge people when they walk in the door, looking at people, you know, sometimes yeah. you make your judgments just based on the way that somebody looks or the way that somebody dresses, but it's like, you can't assume things, you know, you don't know how much money people have in their bank accounts. You don't know what is important to them, what they value most. So sitting down with people and, taking that diagnostic approach and really breaking things down and defining what people need and being able to provide that level of service for people. That's what it's about. And when people invest that much money into something, chances are they're going to stick to it. They're going to follow through and they're going to actually get where they want to be. And that is the main piece there. It's like when somebody is not invested financially, 
they're probably not going to pay as much attention, right? That's what we say. People who pay, pay attention. And it's true. Um, so, you know, that really holds them accountable and actually gets them to where they want to be. And that is the overall goal at the end of the day. Absolutely. And the value uh, that you get from something goes up exponentially, even if the cost goes up incrementally. So if you charge double, the person buy-in is probably going to be four, five, six, ten times higher. So they get 10 times the result for a little bit of an increase. And that goes back to the value of your service and the value of your ask and the value of your delivery uh, that you, by paying, by paying twice as much, you would get 10 times as much out of it. And that's on you, the provider. And that is a huge, important, valuable thing that should be appreciated instead yeah. of like you met said earlier, the race to the bottom in terms of cost, that that's not helpful to the end user, even though no. we think it is, it's not. Right, right. It's like you're trying to serve everybody. And that's another thing. It's like when you try to provide for everybody, you end up providing for nobody um, because you're just trying to cast a wide net and service as many people as you can and then you just get into a point where it's really, it's not benefiting anyone. So not being afraid also to really niche down and get specific about who it is that you want to serve and who it is that you're targeting in your marketing and uh, the types of people that you're looking to get in the door. Um, a lot of people are afraid to do that because again, it goes back to that numbers thing. You know, you always think the more members, the better. And if you're excluding people, then that's that's kind of hard to overcome initially. Absolutely. Because again, you care and you want to like you get into this to have tons of customers and help tons of people. Right. It, it is scary, but you're right. You can't can't save everybody. You can't help everybody. And if you're aiming at everybody, you're aiming at nobody. And in the end, that's exactly what you get. And it's tough. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So now big time of the year for planning and looking at goals, looking at where we're looking to go in 2022. So what does that look like for you? What are your main focuses in the business this year? It sounds like staffing, getting some staff members trained up to kind of help out is a, a big focus, but anything other than that? Uh, running the systems that we've been putting in place and um, making sure everything's running efficiently. One of my personal weaknesses of, of of being in the business is that my strengths obviously are the weaknesses of the business and uh, putting people in place to do a good enough job when I move on to the next, to the next level. So yeah. trying to grow too fast has, has restricted us. And there have been a number of times where it looks like our growth is out of this world and I'm going to be, you know, making millions and millions of dollars, but the same crashes continue to happen. So um, it was something that Alex said recently, it was, slow micro fast macro versus fast micro ends up being slow macro in terms of growth. And I was always the person that would grow super fast in the short term and then it would crash. And then if you look at a decade of growth, you would think I haven't made progress in eight years. And, and in some, actually a lot of ways, I really haven't until recently when I decided to focus slowly on certain things in the short term and our long-term growth, I mean, our short-term growth was faster anyways, but the long-term growth, growth is now looking crazy. And mm -hmm. if I just keep this steady, slow pace of solidifying the systems, making sure the coaches are in place, everything's executed the way that it should be. Now that all the levers are in place, um, our growth 
And this is just steady from what we're at. Our growth for 2022 should be 36% increase, which all of that is going to go to profit because our costs with adding another coach will be about the same or lesser, depending on how much I pay out in staffing. Um, so just sticking with that steady, slow pace. And if those systems are locked in for the first three or four months, that frees me to do all sales and customer acquisition. And if mm -hmm. that happens where that's my only focus, then the upside potential is through the roof and we could double and theoretically um, we could double revenue from 2021 to 2022 if I get six months of that's my only focus. So right. the goals for 2021 are to make sure everything's operating exactly the way that it should and maintaining uh, all the new levers that have been put into place, the new the new model and the new target audience. And then mm -hmm. obviously never looking back and never bending those rules, yes. sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that getting to that next level of growth sometimes is challenging as the business owner because you do have to put other people in places to be successful. And sometimes it's really hard to step away from some of those tasks as the business owner because you want to kind of have control over everything, you know, and you know that if you're providing the level of service for your clients, it's at the end of the day, nobody cares for your business as much as you do. Right. So it's hard sometimes to be able to step back and delegate tasks and put people into places to take some of those things off of your plate so that you can focus on the business side of things, the growth, the marketing, the sales aspect. Um, so that can be certainly a challenging piece for a lot of people. So definitely with that uh, you know, not growing too fast thing, that slow and steady pace, making sure that you've got the right people in the right places to be successful that you can rely on so that you can focus your attention to one thing specifically um, and really reach that next level. Absolutely. Working in the business versus on the business are just yes. completely different worlds. And uh, it's difficult to stop working in the business and it's a hundred times more fun to work on the business once, yes. once you can. So that's my entire focus for, uh, for 2022. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, so sales, sales is a big piece that I'd love to talk about just because earlier we, we were talking about limiting beliefs and that's where a lot of people's limiting beliefs come into play. So what has your experience with sales and the sales process looked like and is there any type of advice that you would provide for other gym owners who you know the the things that I hear all this time are I'm not a salesperson or I don't like sales or I'm not good at sales I always hear those three things but most of the time people have never learned sales they've never taken any time into learning what sales is about or bettering their skills or anything like that. So, um, you know, what does your sales process look like and, and what advice would you give to somebody in that situation, I guess is where we're going here. So um, I, I have that conversation with, with friends that are in the industry and when I hire mm -hmm. people, they don't like sales yes. and they don't want to be salesmen. And I always tell them that's fine because one, um, whatever it is that you're selling, you have to believe in it 
a hundred percent. So the, the guilt of, of selling to somebody or trying to, you know, convince them or manipulate them or trick them into doing something that, that doesn't exist. Well, all you're doing is telling them exactly what they need to be successful. Yes. And that's, that's the best way to go about it. So we do a diagnostic sale mm-hmm. every single time. And I sit down, I learn about their history, their goals, their expectations, what their weaknesses were. And we break down what they need in order to be successful and break the, the cycle of failures that they've had in the past and then show them the options. And it's, it's really that simple. Um, trying to be salesy in like a used car salesman is not what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody that's, that's listening to this podcast and does any of the gyms that work with um, gym launch or, or any kind of service, that, that's just not what we do. That's not mm-hmm. our sale. So that, that is a huge limiting belief that people run into. And then they also devalue themselves because if we're business owners and gym, uh, gym owners and coaches, our value on a fitness coach is lesser because we're already in it. We already know, we already know how to do it. We're already self-motivated. So we wouldn't spend money on it necessarily, but that doesn't mean other people wouldn't spend money on it. So then we come up with like, what would I pay somebody to personal train me? And the reality is I wouldn't pay anybody personal train me. I don't want a personal trainer. Right. So when I carry that into the conversation, that is a huge, huge, huge restriction, but that's not what's happening here. It's not about, you know, my perception of what I would pay somebody else to do it. It's about them and what they need. And if yeah. you are telling them that they should sign up for this program and it costs this, and you don't believe in the program and you don't believe in the cost, then obviously you feels like, feel like a salesperson. Mm-hmm. So when you come up with what it is that you deliver and your price point, believe it. And however that you have to modify that to make sure that you believe in it hundred percent. And then you go through your sales process and say, this is the best option for you. And if you mean that and you're genuine, it doesn't matter. What's the worst that can happen? They're going to say no, or I can't afford it. And then you just give them the next option that does work with them. But uh, I got to the point and I had to convince everybody on my staff of this. Also, you're doing a massive disservice to somebody if you're not a hundred percent honest with them about what they need to be successful. If you come in that door and you sign up, you are paying me to tell you exactly what you need to do in order to get to your end goal. And if I hold anything back, then I am doing you a disservice and I am failing at my position. And for me, I like, you don't deserve to hold that position. You don't deserve to hold that title if you're holding that back. So when somebody comes in, I'm like, what you need to do is you need an accountability coach. You need the nutrition coaching. You need the custom programming. You need to get on this diet plan. You need to take these supplements. And if you don't, then the road's going to be harder. And if you don't want to do that, well, then this would be the next best option. This would be the next best option. Somebody that's failed for 30, 40 years and they're overweight and they've done every program doing your boot camp and healthy eating guidelines is not going to work because it's the same shit that they've been doing Mm-hmm. just with you there instead. Right. Wouldn't it be better for the person if you were just honest with them about what it is? And that really helps break limiting beliefs for people. If you're like, like just, I'm, this, this is a question I ask my staff and my coaches, which has proven mm-hmm. to be very helpful. If, if Joan Smith walked in, I'll say to the coach, I'm Joan Smith. How am I doing and what do I need? And then they'll tell me, I'm like, okay, well, that's the sale. I'm not doing well because I always make these mistakes over and over and over again. I'm not doing this. What I need is this, this, and this. Boom, that's it. That's all it is. So when somebody comes in the door and they need these things, like I'm this person, what do I need? Tell them what they need. And then that's it. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. And if this is what they need, the the cost of it is absolutely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. 
completely yeah. irrelevant. I had a um, customer when I made the changes at the end of 2020, started 2021, who was paying $99 a month for an old program that I just grandfathered him in forever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't working for him. It wasn't what he needed. And I had a very honest conversation with him because he was 67 and he's going to die. And I, I got to the point where I couldn't handle that. So that was mm-hmm. a big part of our, our change. And I, I sat him down, I had a conversation and the program he signed up for, for 2021 was 10 grand. Mm-hmm. So he paid thousand, a little over $1,200 in 2020, $10,000 in 2021. So -hmm. somebody that's not spending money and you think wouldn't and is retired and is on a tight budget, none of that matters. Mm -hmm. And he spent 10 grand. And if you look at pictures of him now, he looks like he's a a jacked and shredded and and veiny 70 year old weightlifter when he was just soft and fat and unhealthy and going to die. And that that was just a prime example of your limiting beliefs are hurting the people you're servicing. Yeah. And I believed 100% that the best thing for him to do was to sign up for this program, but I couldn't deliver it for him for anything less than 10 grand. And now he's a monster and it was, right. it was the right thing. So yeah. running that diagnostic and believing. And so when you, when you do the sale, you have to know what they need. Right. You can't know what they need without the right diagnostic process. Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in, you don't through, go through that diagnostic process, you're, you're failing them. And that that's true with, ads that say free six week challenge and somebody comes in, they just want to learn more about the free six week challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, all right, great, excellent. Come on in. And then I just go through the same script. I don't even acknowledge what they said right. because they don't realize either that that's mm-hmm. not what they want. That's not what they need. Exactly. And so I, I have to give them the right thing. So anytime somebody comes in with that, so I guess the advice would be all those things and then run the same script over and over and over again. If it's not a process that you can, that you can know exactly what's happening and it's a little bit different every time and the pitch is different every time and the program's different every time, that's not, that's not what it is. So I just go through the same thing regardless of why somebody walked in the door. Right. Because without the, prescript, without the history, you can't give a prescription. Without a prescription, you don't know how to help them so that there is no sale to make. Right. I guess that was a lot of jumbled thoughts. Yeah, that, was, no. that was everything. Okay. No, 100%. I wanted to specifically ask you about that because I figured that you would give a response like that. And that's perfect. Um, You made a a really good point, multiple really good points there that I want to touch on. But um, one of the main ones being that you are not your customer. And that is something that is so important to keep in mind as a gym owner, as a personal trainer you are not your customer. Like you said, like you are not looking for a personal trainer. So maybe you don't value a personal trainer like somebody would that is, like you said, that has been trying for 40 years to lose weight or to get healthier or to, you know, whatever goals that they have, they've tried everything and, you know, they're feeling really down on themselves and and really need help. Like that, that's not you. You wouldn't value your health the same way that that person would. So getting out of that mindset, uh, you know, that you are not your customer. So the things that are going to appeal to your customers wouldn't necessarily appeal to you, which can be kind of hard to wrap your head around. And also um, sales is just a transference of belief. So if you truly believe in what you're doing and what you're selling, it's not a sale. It's a solution to a problem. Everybody that walks into your door, walks into your door for a reason, whether they come in 
looking for a free trial, a free class, a free six-week challenge, whatever it is, there's some reason that they want that program. And when you sit down and go through that diagnostic process, that allows you to identify that problem and then solve it. And that's what your job is, to identify the problem and to solve it. And like you said, if you're not identifying the problem and providing the service to solve that problem that they walked in the door with, then you are doing them a disservice. And that's something that is so important to keep in mind. It's a, it's a good perspective to have. Sometimes all, all people need is a change of perspective, right? So you look at things from one lens and you see it your way and it's hard to think outside of that. But if you can just kind of change your perspective and really put yourself in the shoes of the person that's walking in your door, then it all starts to make a little bit more sense. And, you know, one reference that I always like to use, which you touched on as well, was, um, you know, when you have some type of an ailment and you go to your doctor and they give you a prescription to solve whatever problem you have, you don't sit there and question your doctor on the prescription. You take the prescription and you say, okay, great, thank you. Mm -hmm. So we as personal trainers, obviously we're not doctors. However, we solve problems in the same way. Uh, so giving somebody that prescription, you kind of have to look at it as, as giving somebody a prescription and it is for their health. And a lot of times it saves people's lives. You know, it gets them off of some of the prescriptions that they're on, actually. High, high blood pressure medication, um, you know, it, it completely changes their lives. So sometimes it's just a little shift of perspective that can make you feel much better about the sales process. Um, and then also, as far as the script goes, a lot of people don't like to use the script, you know, especially I remember training the staff on the sales process initially, and I gave them a script. And it was like, you know, sometimes they would use it, sometimes they wouldn't. And it's like, okay, we need to use this every single time. One, because it's proven to work. And two, because like you said, if we're not following the same process every time, we can't really tell where adjustments need to be made along the way. So it's important to use a script, especially in the beginning when you're first starting out. And it makes things a lot easier for you just uh, from the, the training side and, and walking somebody through the process. So definitely don't be afraid of using scripts either. Absolutely. It's always uh, interesting when I hear people that don't like to use a script um, for whatever reason. Uh, once you learn it, you, you don't have to be a robot reading off of paper. No. But if you don't have a process of the exact information you're trying to get from them, which right. is the script, then you're obviously going to miss a ton of things a ton yes. of times and it's not helpful. Right. Um, and then not identifying with your clients and giving the prescription like a doctor would. Um, mm -hmm. I always think about uh, these stories and, and I, I remind myself of them a lot to put a positive pressure on myself, but mm -hmm. you get into this business because you want to help people. Right. And that's, that's the right thing to do. So you're not, you're, you're not selfish, you're compassionate. That's mm -hmm. what, that's a trait that coaches have. That's why they go into this industry. And mm -hmm. I can tell you, I can count the number of people who I knew or, or met through the gym, who came into the gym, who needed something from me. I was younger and I didn't want to pressure them. I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable. They weren't sure that they could afford it. I didn't say anything. I just, you know, made them happy and encouraged them and they died mm -hmm. because they were unhealthy. 
And now I may or may not have been able to do anything about it, but I had the opportunity in front of me and I didn't do or say anything. And you go home and you look at yourself in the mirror and it's like, what was the right thing for, for that person, for you to make them not uncomfortable and tell them exactly what they need to do and put some pressure on them. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, why didn't you? Because you didn't want to feel like a salesman because you didn't want to be pushy. That's selfish. And right. it's hard for people to consider. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. They think it's the opposite of being selfish. They think I'm doing the right thing to the other person by not making them uncomfortable. But the reality is you don't want to feel like you're making them uncomfortable. So that makes you yeah. selfish. So if you want to do the most empathetic and compassionate thing that you can for every single person that you meet, you should do the diagnostic sale and tell them exactly like the doctor would. You think a doctor cares when they're sitting in front of you? It's like, you need this surgery and you need to start taking these medications or you're going to die. I don't mm-hmm. like, they, he didn't review if the cost is okay with you. This is right. what it's going to cost. And if you're going to go a different route and you better find a different route, but this is what it takes. And the doctor, you know, doesn't care. He's probably not going to see you ever again. We're going to see you every day. So there's going right. to be a different level of of finesse and, and compassion that goes into it, but it's the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's your responsibility. And how many people who could you have saved if you said the, what they needed, charged what it was going to take to deliver it versus how many of them walked away and you didn't do it. And how many of those people probably died in the, I mean, if you've been doing this for a decade, I bet you yeah. it's a, a much higher number than you would feel comfortable with knowing that. Right. And for me, it's like, if I ever feel uncomfortable, then I'm, I'm being selfish. And yeah. that's, that's what I try to tell myself. It's like, well, I need to be super uncomfortable at, so that they can be, so that, that they know. And at the end of the day, if they come in and I do everything right and I tell them what they need and they leave, I can live with that. But yes. if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, either outcome, I'm not okay with. They pay my gym money every month, they show up and they do not get what they want or need and their health doesn't improve and then I don't deliver or I never see them again. Both those things make me sick to my stomach. So I'm going to tell them exactly what it costs. And if it costs 10 grand for their solution and they say, no, I can live with that, but I can't live with not trying. And that was a huge, huge breakthrough for me and every staff member that I've gotten to walk through that process, their confidence in giving prescriptions has Mm -hmm. gone through the roof. And then they kind of back into it and realize, oh, that's, that's what, that's all the sale is, is delivering the prescription in a compassionate way from the interview. And, and um, our success rate on everything obviously has gone way through the roof. But I try to remind myself of the, of the people that I, I know. And it's like, man, I can't believe I didn't say more. And yeah. I just will never let that happen again. Right. Yeah, that's a great point to make as far as not wanting to make somebody uncomfortable. Again, it kind of goes back to like, who are you to judge how somebody's going to feel about something that you say to them, right? It's like, you don't know. And you not wanting to make them uncomfortable, that is a good way to look at it, is that um, that's you being selfish because really it's, it makes you uncomfortable. Uh, and, and that's a, it's a hard thing. I mean, it is slightly uncomfortable at first for you to kind of step outside of the box. And anytime that you do something new, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable. But if you never do that, you never take those steps, you never grow. And eventually, once you get past that first stage there and just kind of get over that initial uncomfortability with trying something new, it becomes simple and it becomes just part of what you do, you know, and and that's how you really take it to the next level and really help people and really change people's lives. So just getting over that initial discomfort 
uh, it can really help you take things to the next level. So I think that that's a really a really good way to look at it is you're you're being selfish if you're afraid of being uncomfortable. Absolutely, absolutely. It it the first person that you obviously you go go through you get repetitions you get momentum. One person says yes, and within 14 days they're ecstatic about the end result that they've gotten. Obviously, your confidence in telling the next person yes. is is going to grow, and it's just repetitions and pushing through that discomfort because um, you're also inviting them to show up to your facility every day to to deliberately be physically and, and mentally uncomfortable because you're putting them through difficult workouts and they're yes. going to be uncomfortable with their nutrition. It's like, Hey, let's just welcome the discomfort yeah. and keep hitting those repetitions. And all it takes is, is showing up every day and hitting your reps, just like you do with your exercise training. Exactly. You do the same thing with your business and with your sales. And within like three days, you'll just become a different person. So right. hammering it over and over again is absolutely the key. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, uh, a good way to to connect things and that's something that i used to say doing sales training was uh to relate it to the the personal training side of things it's like when you first start squatting you don't walk up to the bar and throw 475 on the bar and just start repping it out right it's like you work your way up so you start small and then you work your way up and how do you get there through reps absolutely so it's the same same thing just a different application absolutely exact same system yes all right. Awesome. So now this has been great and I, I really appreciate your time. And uh, as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, our Facebook and our Instagram are both school of fitness or yeah, school of fit, X product school of fitness. So if you look us up on both Facebook and Instagram and then we're on YouTube uh, and I just started doing a lot more content and videos um, of teaching uh, it's, I'm teaching things to my customers. I, so obviously mm -hmm. this is a business conversation, but we're teaching things to the customers and it's really fueled my school of fitness and effort to teach in small chunks has really fueled clients asking more questions, more questions they ask, the more they want higher levels of service. And that has just been a constant cycle. Um, so th those are ways that you can find all the things that we talk about, which a lot of the principles uh, that I teach to clients are some of the same principles that we talked about when it comes to sales process and conviction and limiting beliefs. Um, and that's where, that's where we are and all the things that we do. Absolutely. Awesome. All righty. So Michael from the X project school of fitness in Maryland, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Awesome. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of TrueFit 24-7 in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Mr. Patrick Jacks. How are you doing today? I'm well. How about you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about you, your journey, the, the way that you're approaching this business. So let's hop into it. Give us the, the, the elevator pitch. Talk to us about TrueFit, what you're all about there as a business, and then we'll talk about you and how you fit into it. Right. So we are a locally owned, um, smaller type neighborhood type gym that is um, caters to honestly like your families, um, students, high school, college, um, middle-aged all the way up to we have a couple of members that are 75. Um, they're in there every day doing doing their workouts. Um, we have some uh, trainers that work with people with several individuals in the gym, several of our members. Um, we're in a smaller tight gym, so about 4,000 square feet. Uh, we have all of your cardio type things. We have your free weights, squat racks, dumbbells, kettlebells, bands, machines, pretty much covers the gambit. Um, we don't really have some of your other stuff like that. We're not your typical box gyms type thing. Um, and we're not, uh, we, well, we don't have any of your uh, franchises or anything like that. So it's just a locally owned smaller neighborhood family gym so i like the i like to say it's kind of like your cheers of a gym you know everybody kind of knows your name um, people walk in i try to remember everyone's name when they walk in the door kind of shocks them when they're like i just joined two days ago how do you remember my name you know, <laughs> that's that's one thing i try to do i try to make it personal personal personable and keep everyone engaged and things like that so yeah that's our gym Awesome, man. I love the cheers reference. I think, uh, depending on the listener's base, I think if you're under 40, you might not get that these days unless you like rerun TV. But um, yeah, that's that's a really a great way to look at it. And I think that's, that's a, a cool approach. So um, this is a gym that it existed. It was in business for a while. You were a client there for, I think we said about four or five years. So you were involved in it. You knew what it was all about. Um, and then the opportunity came up to purchase it. Now, you're a guy with another career, you work in the IT field, um, and you saw this as an opportunity to do a few things for yourself. Um, you know, and, and I'll let you dig into it a little bit, but I think the things that stood out were one, um, you liked the gym, and the only thing that you want to do is was keep it around and, and make it even better for you and the people that you had in that community, your cheers atmosphere. Yeah. Um, it looked like it was a good investment long-term from you financially. Um, and you can get into, um, you know, how the owners kind of let you test drive the car a little bit. And then it's also almost like a legacy project. It's something that you're involving your family with, with plans that are, that are going to extend that. So talk yeah. us through like the, the multiple opportunities that you saw there, because I think it's, it's really cool how you came into it. And you already have some really great ideas of, of where it's going to go. Yeah. So I was, we moved into this area that we're in and 
I was going to Planet Fitness at the time. And then since so we came over here, it was one mile from my house. So I started, I looked into it. Um, the gym originally started as a, um, it's a members only gym, but it originally started as a personal training only gym. Um, so they would only have one-on-one -on -one client sessions. They opened it up, created their own gym back in 2012 and made it to where it was more of a 24 seven. You can come work out on your own, things like that. No group fitnesses, no group fitness or classes or anything. There's just no space for it. So when we moved over and we started going there about four or five years ago, um, the opportunity came up. The previous owners had, it was three of them. They just really couldn't decide on a direction. They, the direction they wanted to go with the gym. And, and they actually, I was talking to one of the previous owners like three days ago. Huh. And he said, yeah, that was really it. He said, we all got along. We just couldn't decide on a direction. So they were going to either close it or they were going to resell it. So there were actually several members in the gym who were going to go in if I didn't step in and buy it, that they wanted to go in and buy it just to keep it open. Um, because of the area we're in, there's no gyms around. Um, there's not many going to become, there's not going to be many coming in to this area just because land prices are a little bit higher. So I decided, you know what? It's a great opportunity. It's a great location. We are right beside a public shopping um, shopping center the grocery store right in a little area of uh, the shopping area or the shops of Tuscaloosa, I think is what it, or shops of the lake or something like that. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it was a great opportunity. Um, it's also a really good time for my daughter who was, a, who was a student at the university of Alabama and she needed a job while she was in school. Um, so I'm, she is my manager. She goes in every day. She runs, does the day-to-day -day operations. She signs up people, tours around. She's able to do her homework and things like that, or readings while she's at the gym and manage it and run it. Um, my younger daughter will then take over that when she gets to be 16. And people already know her at the gym. She works out with one of our trainers, actually. So my 13-year-old works out with one of our trainers at the gym. Um, so it was a great opportunity. It was an investment. The gym had over the years had kind of gone down um, to where since they couldn't make a decision and direction of the gym, they just quit investing in it and spending time. So it, people started leaving because other gyms opened up across town, like a couple of big box gyms opened up and people started leaving because it was kind of dirty some of the equipment was broken, kind of stunk. <laughs> um, heat wasn't turned on or the air conditioners wouldn't be turned on or something. So it was the membership started dwindling a little bit. So I saw it where it was like a diamond in a rough. It was the area that we're in, the, the location and everything. It just really could be a top of the line gym. So I knew going in, it was going to be more of an investment. It was going to be a an opportunity to turn it around and make it that sparkling diamond. And that is my goal. And that has been my goal this whole time is to make it one of the better gyms in Tuscaloosa. And we're actually working with um, one of the vitamin shops here, actually it's the vitamin shop of Tuscaloosa. They're doing a contest right now of best gyms in Tuscaloosa. 
and we're competing right now against one of the gyms across town. So hopefully right now we were beating them by like 70% just a few minutes ago. Um, so we, if you, if you want to go out to the vitamin shop on Instagram and vote for true fit 24 seven, feel free, go right ahead. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of our top gyms in Tuscaloosa when I, hopefully when I get done with it, but that's really never, there's never a finished product. Um, <laughs> so I'm always continuing to build in it and work on it. Um, like next week, we have some tent that's going up on the front windows to make the whole look and feel of the gym a little bit different. We've added mirrors, we've added equipment, we've cleaned it and cleaned it and cleaned it. Um, and then I bought the gym officially um, two years ago yesterday and one month before COVID hit. So perfect timing to buy a gym. That's not, that's kind of sarcastic. Um, yeah, really. So yeah, it was, we actually used that time though when we were forced to shut down for COVID. Um, we actually used that time to completely rearrange it, completely change the look of the gym and um, we cleaned it really well, did really a good deep clean. We bought some additional mats and things like that. Um, the only, there's one piece of equipment in the entire gym that's in the same spot from when I bought it. Everything else has completely changed and rearranged. Um, we built a little wall. We've added electrical and lights and things like that. So it's, we really changed the look and feel of it. Um, and people are starting to come back. Actually, we have almost well we've actually tripled our membership from when i bought it um so we've we've done pretty well with it and it's i'm not really out there marketing it like i don't have billboards up or anything it really is a word of mouth and people are seeing we did one round of t-shirts when i first bought it people see those shirts and they're like oh i know that jim and that's people that are actually were members before who had left are starting to come back and have been coming back for the past year. Uh, we just signed somebody up like three days ago. There's like, yeah, I was a member here for like four years. And then I quit back in 2019 because it was terrible and it stunk and half the equipment worked and things like that. And they're like, this is completely different. We love it. This is awesome. Um, so that's pretty much my story. Um, I have my IT job, everything I make and what I tell people, everything I make from the gym, goes right back into the gym. I don't take a paycheck. I don't take money out to go and go on trips or buy stuff. If I'm buying stuff, I'm buying it specifically for the gym. Um, like I had to go buy some jump ropes the other day because one of them broke. So, you know, it's that kind of stuff. Um, buying stuff, anything I buy or purchase, it goes directly back into the gym. So I have my real, my day job. And that's what I tell people is I have a day job. When I leave my day job, I come up to the gym, I work out, I talk to people, I interact with people. Um, we even have a group of guys that we go out every few weeks. We go out for a happy hour and go somewhere. There's about 10 to 15 of us that goes out, just chit chats and talks about other businesses in the area and things like that. So that's pretty cool. I like it. What a cool story and, and very unique Um you know, I feel like everybody's got a little bit of a different spin on how they do things, but a lot of stuff came together for you. And, um, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you was, 
how have you more than tripled the membership since you've been back? But you really answered my question in the story in that you saw an opportunity here um, in the need, right? You're like, I want this place to be the this X standard of a gym. And really it's like, it's like the old field of dreams. If you build it, they will come like you, you were like, Hey, you know, the first thing I want to do is make this a place I can be proud of having my name behind in a place that I want to love working out at. And just by virtue of doing that, people start noticing, they start hearing about it. There's a buzz, you know, I'm sure people that didn't quit are reaching out their buddies. Like, Hey, remember you didn't want to come here anymore. Cause it, it smelled like a dirty gym sock. Come check it out. You know, we're, we're here. It's better. It might've been in someone's neighborhood and, and they drove 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go to someplace else. And it's like, it was, it may have been convenient, but now you took convenient and added in attractive. And, right. and it just seems like it's creating a buzz that's, that's gotten you to where you are now. So it's yeah. really cool when you see something like that, you know, uh, if we want to make old TV references, you know, I'm thinking a team, you know, I love it when a plan comes together. And that's really, that's really what happened. You're like, Hey, I'm going to make this place nice. And maybe you might've thought that you had, you would have had to advertise at some, you know, at some point or another, but it's like, Hey, before I do that, let me make sure it's something that I want to put out there to the public. Exactly. You worked on the product and here people are coming in through the doors. So you got a two for one return on investment there. True. Like we had some people who are the, there were several people like, oh, you're going to come in and raise rates. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to raise rates because one, I can't justify raising rates. The current state of the gym, I can't justify raising the rates another 10 to 15, $20. It's not worth it. I mean, you can go pay $10 at some of the other gyms, the lower, the ones that are the box ones, you can go pay 10 or $15. I'm not going to raise rates from what the current prices were, the, the $39.99 or whatever, I can't, I'm not gonna go to 59 or 69. We can't, I can't justify it. I can justify it if I wanted to raise rates now because so much we've invested in it and so much we've done to it, I could justify raising it um, because we are we are getting to a capacity types gym. I mean, we are, we are getting to capacity. We're not there yet, um, but we're getting there and it's, because we have taken that time and the money and invested it back into the gym, we put everything back into it. I mean, the, the, when the opportunity came up, I called my daughter and I said, Hey, what do you think about buying a gym? She was like, um, which one? I told her and she was like, well, we work out there already. And I'm like, yeah, I know. What do you think about it? Called my wife and I said, what do you think about it? And she said, you know what? You've been working out since you were probably like 13 with your dad. And you've always loved the gym. You've always loved just going to the gym and being a part of it. And, you know, why not? Yeah, I'm all for it. So my wife bought in, my daughter bought in and we've all, it's been a family affair. You know, we've, we've invested the time, energy and the blood, sweat and tears and put back into it. And I think doing that, we've, we've seen a return and we're getting, we're getting the notification the notice the the i guess we're being noticed by others and people are starting to come in and a lot of it is we're not your capacity type you know as many people as you can you can still come in get your workout in you can it's not super packed all the time but we're getting there so it's 
we'll have to make a decision soon, I'm assuming, um, when what to do once we get there, but You're just gonna need another one. I've that's on the horizon. I just don't know. I mean, there's actually space that that that's another opportunity that's there. <laughs> I'm looking, there's a couple of other opportunities, one right around the corner from us, and then I'm actually looking at maybe a different city even. So well, and we'll see. It's exciting to feel enough progress and get enough good feedback that you're like, hey, maybe, maybe there's something to this thing. So exactly. um, you know, a couple of things there. And it's funny because you know, you, you talk about the conversations you can have with your family, and it's like, man, this might be the most expensive gym membership I've ever had in my life. <laughs> exactly. Or or maybe we're gonna make something this thing. And I, I think you're going in that direction. Um yeah. real quick, um the the concept or the idea of having family as an employee as a gym manager for some people they think it's great uh, for some people it scares the heck out of them um what have been the pros and cons for you so far and 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 how do you find the line to draw of where family stops and in business starts has that been any type of struggle for you it has um only because i never had my daughter as I'm an employee before. Um, so yeah, that's a little different, but it's been okay because she's, I mean, she understands that it's an important thing for us to, I mean, we knew going into it, okay, we, to make this work, it's going to take all of us pulling together and doing this. Um, so her, well, now her fiance, um, so she just got engaged a couple of months ago but her fiance even helps out. I mean, he comes in and he helps clean and participate and talk people about the gym. So she knew going into it that it was going to have to, she was going to have to make some sacrifices on her end. And I also have to be lenient um, and, and be the, the stand back. I have to try to separate being dad versus being, you know, employer. But I lean to being a dad so that's i mean that's my it's my go-to i'm not going to do anything i'm not going to yell at her or hey you and you know i'm not going to fire her <laughs> um but it's more like hey you didn't clean the bathroom so it's all good i got it i got it today don't worry about it it's all good you know and but that's just how i am anyway you know i'm gonna pick up the slack if there is any and she picks it up. There's been a couple of times I'm like, hey, I can't get up there. Is there any way you can get to the gym? This person wants to come in. They want to look at it. They want to sign up, blah, blah, blah. Or the toilet's overflowing. Can you and mom go up there and please take care of it? I'm an hour and a half away. Sure. We'll be up there in just about 10 minutes. You know, so she's made the sacrifices. She's known, she knew, and my wife knew going into it, they were going to have to contribute to this and to help it and make it grow and to make it what it could be they were going to have to step in and help. And they knew that going into it. Cause I told them like, I, I can't do this by myself as much as I think I can in my head, I'm going to tell myself I can, I know I can't. Um, it's going to take, it's going to take all of us pulling together and they've done that. They've really, really helped. So it's been really good. Yeah. The thing that, that just keeps running through my head right now is just, just buy in. Like you said it earlier, and it's like everything comes back to, um, you know, they're not just family, they're not just employees, they're, they're people who are bought into the reason why you did it, 
and yeah. are seeing the results of it and just continually, you know, invested in the process, you know, more than just as, you know, this, this is my cool college job. You know, this is, you know, I get to work for dad. It's like, Hey, we're building something here. So I need to at least be on board. You know, there's, there's obviously there's room to be human and to be family in there, but it's like the mission is let's make this thing successful. Something we can all be proud of. Well, I think a part of that too is the, the family bought in, but then there were, there is a core group of members at the gym. There's about 50 or 60 members that have been there that I've known for several years, but there is a core there that they all bought in. They could see the changes that were coming. Um, I mean, at one point there was something new that showed up to the gym about once a month there for the first year and year and a half. It was, oh, wow, look, the, the lights actually work and, you know, oh, the shower actually works now and things like that. So it's the, the members, like I couldn't do the things I want to do the gym without the members. The members have come in and they've really stepped up and they've all come together and they, they, they keep the word going. And there is a core group of members that have just been amazing um, and beneficial to me that I couldn't have done it without. And I mean, I wouldn't have a gym if it wasn't for the members. So it's all about them. So that's why I try to do things. I mean, if you look at the gyms are there to serve the people. I mean, that really is. You're there for a service. Um, you're there to provide a service for them to come and physically help their physical nature, to help them get healthy, to help them in their day-to-day -day things. And that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a nice, clean, open environment that people can come and get healthy. And that's, we're providing that service. And several members have come in and they've helped. Like I've had several members go with me to pick up equipment. Like there's one, he's, he's driven the, his truck with me to an hour and a half away to pick up a couple of pieces of equipment multiple times. He helped me move mirrors from one side of the city, of the city to the other and helped me install them. You know, it's, the members have bought in significantly. Yeah, that's like a true community family feeling. And it just, it sounds like it's permeating through it. So um, we talked about, you know, have, having your daughter, one daughter on as, as manager now, another one that will eventually come to work for you. You have some other staff there. And that's something that as, as of recently, you're starting to grow a training staff there. So um, for a gym that's up against right now anyway as it stands right now starting to come towards capacity where you're not looking to um smash as many people in there and in, in in you know a cramped space like sardines as you can um you know business is a business generating revenue is good especially when you're putting it all back in you can help more people how important is it to you to grow the the personal training aspect of things and and what are your aspirations of what you want to grow that segment of the business into? Yeah, we have two trainers now that work with us. Um, we have a third that she's talked about coming in and starting restarting her because she had quit doing it for a little while while she was having raising little babies and things like that. And so she's talked about coming in and doing some some training, personal training. But that's that's one area that I think we could grow in that we we need to grow in um, to provide that. Because there's been a few people that like one one girl came in the other night and she just stood in the front looking at the weights going, I don't know what to, where to start. 
So I was like, hey, you know, we have a couple of trainers or they can do a free session with you to kind of give you an idea, things like that. Um, so that's an area that we can grow. Um, we have one of our trainers. She's really good. Um, she's actually a strength and conditioning coach at one of the at one of the local universities here, one of the local colleges. So she does it as like a part time thing, but wants to do it full time. So we're we're considering bringing her on full time. We'd like to <laughs> just the money working that part out. Um, but that's one of the areas that we could grow and we could actually help. Um, we haven't. I haven't really put much of that on the website yet because I don't really know, still know the direction. And that's something I'm kind of, that's mulling around in my head. So, you know, that's one area we could use some help and some expertise just because I haven't done it before. Um, I'm not trained from, I didn't go to university. I didn't go to school for, you know, to be a gym owner. I went for IT stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it, it served you well so far. So, and I think just yeah. knowing that, before you take the next step, you want to have a grasp on it. You know, I don't think it's a matter of knowing enough to be dangerous. It's knowing enough to feel like, hey, if I'm going to put this product out there, I want it to be good value. I want it to be something I can stand behind. And you're in a position because of the way that you approach the gym that you don't need to rush a product out. Right. Yeah. I don't want to just go and hire a bunch of trainers. The ones that we have, I want to make sure they're actually doing things correctly. I want to make sure they're certified. I want to make sure that they have their, well, they have their certifications in place. They know what they're doing. They know they're not going to hurt someone um, or they're going to train someone incorrectly to where they're doing, like they're doing deadlifts wrong or they're not doing squats wrong or there's something, you know, I want to make sure that they're doing the things they're supposed to do, not, I mean, I'm not going to train them because I'm not a trainer. I mean, I'm not going to train them how to lift weights. I just, I know how to do it because I've done it for years. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to be the, I don't want to be the per, the gym that, yeah, they're just hiring a bunch of trainers to just to get extra money. No, I want it to be a good fit. I want it to be, they're bought into the gym. They, they like it. They like the members and they're doing it correctly. Um, that's one of my pet peeves. Um, that has been my, one of my pet peeves about working out in general, um, from a, just from a general standpoint, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't, don't lift a bunch of weight just to say you lifted a bunch of weight, do the form correctly, you know, do it with proper form. Same thing with training a person. If you're going to train someone, do it the way it's supposed to be done, do it correctly, do it like you're supposed to, you know, certified trainer. You're not there to just lift a bunch of weight. They're there, they're there to build muscle and to build, make them a more healthy person. So that's the way I want to look at it. I don't want to rush and jump into something just because. Yeah. And I think having the perspective of having been a client and having seen how things go that you don't want is just as valuable as trying to emulate what you do want. You have to have you a balance, a yin and yang, whatever you want to call it, to know I want all of this and I'm not going to compromise any of this or else right. I'm just not going to do it. So exactly. uh, we're running short on time here, but one more thing that I wanted to try to squeeze into what we have here so we can we can let you go, um, be respectful is um, any major, have you made any major 
systematic changes to the way things are done in the gym. I know you've made a lot of physical improvements. It's cleaner. You have newer equipment. You have, you're doing the window tint. There's a lot of things going on with the consumables, the things that you can touch and use in the gym. Have you made any, any other things that you've put your stamp on as far as processes, policies, procedures, anything that really stands out to you that you think is, has made a big improvement? Well, when I first bought the gym, there were 225 failed transactions every month um, that I got all, it took me a couple of months, two or three months from when I first bought it to get all of that situated. Um, so there were members who hadn't been paying for months that were still coming. There were members who hadn't been paying for years that weren't coming, but the credit card was still processing just failing, which was costing the money gym because of the transaction fees and things like that. Um, so I cleaned all of that up. And as of yesterday, we have two people that failed, failed transaction. One was last night and they're because they got a new credit card. Um, actually both of them got a new credit card. So I cleaned all of that up from a procedure standpoint, from a process, making sure that people that are paying are the ones that are coming and the ones that are not paying are not coming. I mean, <laughs> that's, you know, that's kind of easy. Um, but we've, we've put some rules in place uh, with, like I walked in one day at the height of COVID um, and there were five or six college students working out. None of them had their shirts on. They were sweating and laying all over the place and laying on the gyms and I mean, laying on the benches and not wiping it down and not cleaning it. And so I'm like, you know what? From now on, shirts required. <laughs> That's it. I don't care who you are, shirts required. So we have rules. We have like 10 rules, but it's clean it. I've added five different cleaning stations throughout the gym. Um, before there was a spray bottle and a rag that was probably two years old. Um, that was the previous cleaning. Um, so I've added five cleaning stations. Um, that's from a business perspective. That is one thing that I did not account for, think about put in my budget or any of that, especially when COVID hit, um, of trying to pay for all the cleaning supplies. And I just didn't, even, I didn't think about it. Um, but I have invested a lot in cleaning supplies from paper towels, cleaning solutions, the spray that you use to wipe down equipment, even just the, the silicone spray to, you know, keep everything running, things like that. Just, that's the pieces that I didn't really think about when I bought the gym. Um, so that, and it was, it was probably quadruple what I kind of expected. Um, and I had to turn one of my showers because of COVID I had to turn one of my showers into a storage closet. So I could have, you know, a place to put all the paper towels and the toilet paper and all that stuff that, you know, that's just from a procedure standpoint, that's one thing I didn't think about, but we've corrected and, now we have five cleaning stations and tons of cleaning bottles and wipes and everything else. Um, but getting everyone actually, I call it, I say it's the getting everyone back on payroll. Um, so if your credit card fails and what I'll do is I'll send you a text, I'll send you an email, I'll give you a call. Hey, did you get a new credit card this month? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. We're going to get you back on payroll. <laughs> We're going to set your credit, your transactions back up. Um, but yeah, that is probably the biggest thing, um, the cleaning and getting the transactions cleaned up. And then other than that, it's, I've kind of 
tried to keep everything at least semi the same, but I guess that is that answer. I think that answers your question. It sure does. And I think the moral <laughs> of the story in there too is if you're going to take over an existing business of any type, take all the ideas that you think of things that you want to do, you want to fix, but make sure you expect that there's going to be some things that you're not going to know about that are going to pop up. It's just like construction. I always expected to take longer and cost more. And, you know, if you overestimate, you might still only be a little bit over, but there's always the hidden gotchas. It doesn't matter which way you go. Starting from scratch, taking over existing business, having a partner, not having a partner. You got to overestimate if you want to be in, in the safe zone. So yeah. on that note, sir, uh, we, we have uh, almost ate up all the time we have here. Um, I appreciate you being here with us today. It's been a pleasure hearing about you, your business, your take on it. I thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. You are, are very welcome, sir. Hope to have you back someday. Yes, and to every, everyone out there uh, listening, we appreciate you. Thank you for spending some of your day with us. We hope you found value in this episode. And if you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button. We'll notify you when they drop. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking butt. Jim Ward's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.